morning that God has a very specific and encouraging word for our church, encouraging word for you. I love to come to the house of God and be encouraged, amen? God has a plan for each and every one of you. My prayer is this morning we'll receive the word of God with gladness, that we will allow it to sink deep into our hearts and produce real fruit. I believe this morning God's Word may answer some questions for some of you, questions you've battled for years. Having said that, in 2 Kings in chapter 2, if you have found that, or even if you haven't, would you stand this morning one last time in the honor of the reading of the Word of God? I'm going to read you 14 verses this morning from 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says that it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? He said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said again, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered again, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. I want to read one more verse um, that, in verse 15. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. 
And they came to meet Him and bowed to the ground before Him. Father, we thank You this morning, God, to be in Your house. God, on this Father's Day, Lord, we worship You and celebrate You, God, as the great and one and only Heavenly Father. This morning, Father, I pray, God, that Your Word would penetrate our hearts, Lord. I believe, God, You have a very specific Word for the body of this church this morning. God, I pray that You would help me to preach in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. God, that my mouth would be Your mouth, my hands Your hands, my feet Your feet, Lord. God, would You guide and direct me this morning. We pray, God, that we would decrease, that You would increase, Father. We ask, God, that You would show us Your glory this morning. I pray that You would save the lost, God, this morning that are in this house, Lord. And God, only You know the hearts, but God, You see every heart, Lord. And this morning, we pray, God, if there be any here, God, that do not know You, God, that this would be the day that they come to see You as Lord and Savior, to turn from their sins and put their faith in You and You alone. Father, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and glory for what you do in your house this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. On this Father's Day, I want to talk to you about dedication. If there is one thing that seems to be lacking just about everywhere in today's society, it is dedication It is being dedicated to the cause. This is especially true with the younger generation of people, those that I would say 40 and under in this nation. We seem to have a throwaway mentality. We seem to have an idea that, well, I'll try it. If it doesn't work, I'll toss it in the trash. We have a multitude of folks these days that decide they're going to live together for a few years, see if things work out, and if they do, then they'll get married. We see this attitude of just give it a try, just give it a whirl, and if it doesn't work, toss it in the trash. But I want to talk to you this morning about dedication from a Christian perspective. When I read to you that Elisha had asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, it is a, if you've been in the church for any extended period of time, you know the story of Elisha asking for a double portion. You've probably heard it preached for a long time, a double portion. You've heard it mentioned several times, that double portion of the Spirit. Can I tell you this morning that generally speaking, God wants us to have a, grab a hold of that double portion. And there's nothing wrong with desiring a double portion, if you will, of the Spirit of God. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be used of God in a mighty, mighty way. But this morning, I want to preach to you about the dedication that it takes to grab a hold of that double portion of the Spirit of God. It takes dedication. And we're going to see that in the, in the, in the very day. This is a very interesting passage. In the very day that Elijah would be taken up to heaven, we see that God takes Elisha through a series of tests. The Bible says that the, that the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You know, there's nothing that takes place and there's nothing that is recorded in the pages of Scripture that are not relevant and important to you and I. It's interesting as you read there in 2 Kings chapter 2, it's interesting that it doesn't, it just tells us that Elijah went to one place, then he went to another place, then he went to another place, and then he went to another place. And each time he told his, his 
the one that would come after him, he told his servant, Elisha, to stay here. And Elisha would say, I will not. I'm going to go wherever you go. This morning, I want to preach to you on the four places that Elisha had to go before that double portion could have ever been administered to him. The first place that we see is that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. On this very last day that Elisha would have on earth with his teacher, uh, his master, if you will, we find that they start out in Gilgal. Exactly what is Gilgal, we'll find that out in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 19. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'll just read it to you. But in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 19, we find that now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. In verse chapter 5 and verse 2, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again a second time. And then in verse 8 of chapter 5, So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp until they were healed. Gilgal is the place of the cutting away of the flesh. It is the place of circumcision. It is the place where we allow God to cut away our flesh, to cut away those things that distance us from God. It's not only a New Testament principle, but we'll find in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 that we must, even in this New Testament era, we must turn from the sins of the flesh and allow God to cleanse us of them. Most people want the double portion immediately. We live in a society, and I want you to listen to me this morning. We live in a society where we want everything and we want it now. Once upon a time, once upon a time, you had to work for your stuff. You had to save up money for your stuff. But we live in a society where people just put everything on credit cards. We want it now. When I decide I want it, I want it today. If I can't have it today, then I don't want it at all. It is amazing. There are certain restaurants that if you don't have your food in three minutes or less, it's free. Once upon a time, it used to take some time to cook your meal. And you expected some time for it to be cooked. We live in a fast-paced society. Sometimes we are in such a hurry to get somewhere and to get something done. Hey, I'm guilty of it myself, but I'm just, I'm just trying to help you see this has crept into the church. But we can be in such a hurry that we don't even take time to stop and eat. We want to eat while we're driving, driving down the road, so that we don't waste any time eating. We want what we want, and we want it now. And in the church, there is this mentality. I like to call it the deliverance mentality. Hey, God can deliver you from anything, and He can do it immediately. But listen, we have this false idea of how God works. We, at times, matter of fact, we, we one of the most misquoted scriptures that, that, that I know is the scripture that says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's not what it says. It says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You know, it takes some time to make something. Jesus makes us. There is a process that takes place of being made free by Jesus Christ. Being made free by the truth. 
But most people want to come to the house of God. They want something like a wand to be waved over them. And then all of a sudden, bam, they have all the blessings of God. They don't have to work for any of it. There's no dedication on their part to receive anything. All that they do is come and think that God is going to do something in the matter of a second. They're never going to have to walk for God again. They're never going to have to walk by faith. All their problems are going to go away. And they're going to be delivered miraculously of everything this world wants to throw at them. That's not the gospel. Gilgal is the place of the cutting away of the flesh. And I see more than any time in my understanding and in what, in what research I've done, more than any time in the history of the church, we see a people with no dedication to God. We see a people, and can I be honest with you, this message is for us this morning. I'm not preaching to the church down the road. I'm not preaching to the church in that other city. This is for us this morning. We live in a day and a time where there is very little dedication to God. When I look at the, the, the state of our church here at Crossway Church, and I look at the spiritual maturity of the average Christian in this place, there is a part of me uh, that I sense our church needs some, some teaching. We need to go through some basics and some foundations. We, uh, our people need to learn some of the basics of their faith. And I've been tempted to move into series on Sunday mornings to teach some of this stuff, and as I've prayed about it over the last week, God has not given me a piece about it. But I begin to think, if you folks would come to Sunday school, if you'd show up to a Wednesday night, if you'd show up to a Sunday evening, you'd be able to get some of that teaching, some of that basic teaching that will help you grow in your faith. There's no dedication anymore. I'm not trying to be rude this morning. I'm not trying to step on your toes this morning either. But when you can't show up to the house of God on time, it says something about what you think about God. It does. I'm just being honest with you this morning. So one day a week that we give to God, and half of you don't even show up to Sunday school. I'm not trying to be rude this morning. I don't have any ulterior motive this morning. It's not like we take offerings during Sunday school. But listen to me, friend, you have to trust me and from the heart of a pastor, that I am concerned about your spiritual growth. That I know that you want that double portion. You want to be used by God. You want the power of God in your life. You want to make a difference in this world for Christ. But if you don't grab a hold of the dedication that it takes to move to that place, you will stay in the same old rut all your life. And there is a handful of people, and, and you may look at yourself and say, this is me. You may know a handful of people that fall into this category. But all of their life, they do want the power of God. They are serious about it. It's not just lip service. But for some reason, they can't seem to get dedicated. And that power never comes. There's never a great change in their life. God doesn't use them in any real capacity because it takes dedication to be used by the Lord. We live in a society that doesn't want to, we don't want to be dedicated to nothing. It is amazing the pridefulness of people at times when I try to talk to them about being dedicated to church. Who are you, pastor, to tell me I need to be dedicated to church? The first place that he took him was to Gilgal. It's the cutting away of our flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, in verse 19, listen to this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. If you don't know what fornication is, that's sex outside of marriage. 
I want you to listen to the Word of God this morning because I'm not giving you the Emerson interpretation. I'm reading to you what it says. The works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Now look at this. This hits home. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Now look what he says. Of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't say those who have done such things. It says those who practice. Practice is a very important word here. It applies everything to keep it in context. We have to see that word practice. It means as a lifestyle. But brothers and sisters, I've seen people that call themselves by the name of the Lord, that wave around that white flag, that are full of jealousy, they're full of outbursts of wrath, they're full of dissensions and causing problems, and they have not allowed the Spirit of God to get a hold of their flesh, to circumcise that flesh, if you will, and to cut the things out of this life that separate us from God. There's people that know I'm just going to give one example. I'm going to move on. Because I've been in church for years. I can tell this is hitting home kind of heavy right now. That's okay. Hey, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. Amen? I'm just telling you what it says. It wasn't, it wasn't me that wrote it down. It's the Word of God. But I've seen people living together in fornication. They know it. It's a practice, part of their lifestyle. And they'll come down and instead of repenting of it, instead of crying out in their laughter being turned to mourning, as James says. They come in their pride, act like there's nothing distancing them between them and God, and asking God for that double portion. It don't happen that way. Now, before I move on, I want to say this this morning. God has a plan for your life. It is the grace of God at times where God brings us into the truth that is hard to deal with. There have been times in my life where God has had to chastise me and say, Son, you know it ain't right. You know it's not. You've been fighting it off in your pride and you're never going to move into the next place that I have for you. You're never going to move on to that next town. You're never going to move on, if you will, to the next place that I have for you till you get rid of this. And there have been times where I've, it wasn't easy. I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to pat me on the back. Keep going, son. You're doing great. But when I realized that in God's grace, rather than kicking me to the curb, rather than saying, son, you're useless and you're no good for anything, he brought me the truth. It was hard to deal with, but as I received it, God forgave me. He gave me the strength to move into that next place. And this morning, church, the Word of God is for us. And when we grab a hold of it, God will take us. He will forgive us. He will use us. And He will push us into that next place. This Word is for us this morning. The first place that he had to take him was Gilgal. Secondly, they go to Bethel. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave. So they went down to Bethel. What happens at Bethel? The best way for us to know is to look at the place and the time when Bethel was actually named in Genesis chapter 35. 
In verse 1, then God said to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Verse 9, then God appeared to Jacob again, and he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And then in verse 15, and Jacob called the name of that place where God spoke with him, Bethel. After the circumcision of the flesh, after turning from our sins and allowing God to cleanse those things out of our lives that keep us distanced from Him, we find the place of Bethel. Bethel is the place of consecration. God asked Jacob, what is your name? Jacob told God, my name is Jacob. Jacob's name actually meant deceiver. His name meant deceiver. And Jacob was a deceiver. You remember that Jacob stole Esau's blessing. He put fur on his arms and lied to his father and told his father that he was Esau. Jacob was a man that spent a large portion of his life as a liar. And notice that God says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. It is the place of consecration. It is the removing of our old nature. He says, Jacob, you're not going to be called a liar anymore, and you're not going to be called a deceiver anymore, but your name shall be Israel, and I will change you. I will change your old nature. And the next place that we go is to that place of consecration where God begins to remove that old nature, that old man, that old woman, and replace us, replace that old nature with a new nature. The Word of God says that, Behold, the old things pass away and all things become new. That's the Word of God. We must allow God to, to rid us of that old man, of the old desires, of the old way. There is, a, there is a shedding of the old way of life. There is a shedding of that old man. There is a time when God says, you were once called a liar. You were once called a thief. You were once called a drunkard. But no longer will you be called those things. Your name shall be this, and you shall no longer be those things. It is a time with a removing of the old gods. It is a time where we remove the old idols in our life. The things that come before God. There are a lot of idols that can bring us into a place where we're putting something before God. And in that place of consecration, in that place of Bethel, we take all of the idols, all the things in our old life, and that could be even in our life now, that separate us from God, that keep us from being faithful to Him, that keep us from being sold out to Him. And we push them away and we get rid of those idols. And those idols can look different for everybody. Those idols can be different for you than they are for me. But believe me, friends, they try to creep up. One of the things that's amazing is you look at the history of Israel. They would cleanse everything. They would get rid of the idols. They would burn down all the asterisk poles and all of the, 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 the uh, false altars to Baal and, and, and whatever it might be that was in the land. And if you just gave it a little bit of time, you'd find that idols begin to creep themselves back in. 
And if you're not careful, you'll allow that old man, you'll allow that old woman to start making your decisions again. Your decisions become about yourself and instead of about God. It's not so much, God, what would you have me to do this morning? It's what would I have me to do? It's not so much about, God, how would you want me uh, to, 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 to do this work? It's not so much about, God, where would you want me to be today? But it's more about where could I be? And if I don't really have anywhere to go, I'll see if I can't slip God in. When we had a lock-in here a few weeks ago, um, uh, <clears throat> Pastor Devin Leitner used the illustration of a piece of pie. And that most of us have, a, we see our life like a piece of pie. And we've got this slice over here that's me and my friends. We've got this slice here that's me and my family. We've got this slice here that's me and my work. We've got this slice here that's me and my football or whatever it is for you. And then we've got this little slice over here. That's my Jesus slice. And every now and then, we turn around and it's time for that Jesus slice. Can I tell you that Jesus doesn't want half your life? He wants all of it. And He's not willing to take half of it. It's all or nothing. I'm talking to you about dedication this morning. I'm talking to you about why most people in the house of God never experience the power of God in their life. They never experience real deliverance because they're not dedicated to serving God. They go through the motions. And hear me when I say this. They might even be dedicated to church because they've got that Jesus slice. And they know that they should have Jesus in their life. And so they've got that little slice that soothes their own conscience. That convinces them they're right with God. But friends, if God doesn't have all of your life, He doesn't have any of it. He wants your life. Don't you think for one moment that He bled and died, that He came to this earth and put on human flesh. The Son of God was born of a virgin, lived this perfect life for 33 years, allowed Himself to be beaten, mocked, bruised, nearly beaten to death, crucified on that cross for your sins. Don't you think for one moment that He paid that great price for half of your life? He wants all of you. I told you at the beginning of this sermon, this sermon might answer some questions for you. You might look around at other people and say, how come such and such just seems to have such a powerful life for God? How come such and such just seems to, to always be blessed by God? I ask you this morning, are you really dedicated? And the reality is only you know. You know why? Because we don't really get to know each other real well here at church. I might see you every time that you come in these doors, but I won't see you tomorrow when you're at work. I won't see a young people when you're at school. I won't see the way you are at home, sir. I won't see the way you are at home, ma'am. Dedication is what it takes to grab a hold, if you will, of that double portion. And God was taking Elisha through a series of places and asking Elisha, are you really ready for this, Elisha? First, we see that he goes to Gilgal, the cutting away of the flesh. Secondly, he goes to the place of consecration where God changes our old nature while we remove the old gods away from us. And then thirdly, he goes down to Jericho. So they came to Jericho in verse 4. You remember what happened at Jericho? 
Jericho was that place, and thank God I'm ready to move on to something that gets happy here. Jericho was that place where they marched around the walls, and they just trusted God. And all of a sudden, on that seventh day, the walls begin to crumble, and the walls came tumbling down, and God gave them victory. There is victory that eventually comes when you're dedicated to the Lord. Jericho was that place where the walls fall down that you have no power to break down. Jericho's that place where everything begins to work the way that God said it would work, and your faith and your trust in God begins to bring about real works in your life and the walls that you had no control over, the walls that you once looked at and said, that could never happen in my life, all of a sudden they begin to fall. And we find in Jericho that place of victory. Most people just want to start in Jericho. That's where they want to start. And they might even come up and cry a tear and pray a prayer and just want to start out in Jericho. It takes work and dedication. I don't understand it, and I'm not God, but I know this, that even though God is a God of grace, and even though we're cleansed by the blood, and even though He's dealt with our old nature through the crucifixion, God does not bless laziness. He does not bless ignorance. He does not bless unwillingness. He does not bless foolishness. God does not bless those who are not dedicated to serving Him. Talking to you this morning about being dedicated. Church, God has a plan for us. And friend, God has a plan for you individually. And in His Word, we can see and we can learn from His Word what it takes. And as we embrace God's Word, And as we walk out God's Word, we will find that the victories will come. Third, He took them down to that place of of Jericho where they find victory. And then the fourth place we see is the Jordan. The Jordan River. It is the place of power. It is here that God demonstrates His power through us. You see, first there's the cutting away of the flesh. Second, there's the consecration to God. Lord, I get rid of my old way of life, my old man, and I present myself to You to be used. Then we find the place of victory. And then we find the place of God's power being worked through us. Elijah took, Elijah took his mantle and he struck that water. And it parted. And we see a demonstration of God's power through the prophet. He took him to the Jordan. Can I tell you that God wants to work through you? God was showing him that he was the the same God that was with Moses when he parted the Red Sea, the same God that was with Elijah. And we read in James and chapter 5 that Elijah was a man just like you and I. He was tempted with like passions just like you and I. And he prayed and the heavens stopped up the rain for three and a half years. He prayed again and and then the heavens began to rain. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I'm convinced the main reason that we don't see the power of God working through people is because people aren't dedicated. We think it's all about God bless me, bless me, bless me. Instead of God, how can I be used and be a blessing to others and be used by you for the sake of your name and bringing glory to you? It is a tragic thing. And I want to submit to you that it's crept into the church. Even if we as people, even if you 
aren't a big fan of some of the wild things that go out on the television. We've heard it so much and so much and so much and so much and so much that it begins to creep in and we start to think it really is about me. That God just wants, now let me get this right, that God just wants to bless me. Friend, He does want to bless you, but listen to this. The Bible says that He'll give us a new heart. The Bible says that He changes us. That we become a new creation. That old things pass away and all things become new. But we have a multitude of people in the society, they've never been changed by God and their desires are not right. When God changes your heart, He'll change your desires. And once your heart has been changed and your desires have been changed, God will give you those desires. But if your heart hasn't been changed and all your desires are selfish and they're all about you, you're going to be wrapped up in that sending that man or that lady $77 so you can get your blessing today so that you'll get that double portion. Just send them your money. Just do this or do that. And God's going to do this and do this and bless you and bless you and bless you. It doesn't work that way. If you want to be blessed by God, then give Him your life. Then dedicate yourself to Him. At that Jordan, we find the place of God's demonstration of power. Friend, can I tell you this morning that God wants to demonstrate His power through you? The Bible says that He took His, old, his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He tore His clothes and He put on the mantle of Elijah. Friend, when you have tasted of the new, the old won't do. When you have tasted of the new, the old won't do. There's a lot of folks they've never tasted of the new, so they don't know. They're just living in it and they think that's all there is to life. But when you've tasted the power of God, when you've gone through that place of allowing the cutting away of the flesh, when you've consecrated yourself to God and you've removed the old idols in your life and you've allowed God to get rid of that old man, if you will, and, and, and you begin to walk in the newness of life, and you've experienced the victory of God, and you've been to that place where God demonstrates His power through you, once you've tasted of the new, the old will never do again. There's nothing that will ever quench your thirst except the fullness of God. And once you've tasted of it, you won't want to turn back. He took His clothes and He tore them and He put on the mantle of Elijah. Others noticed the power and the anointing of Elisha. Can I tell you that the power of God on your life, it'll speak for itself? It will. I've met people that, that want the whole world to think that there's some powerhouse for God. And so they tell the whole world. And then I've met people that really had the power of God in their life, and it doesn't take but a few minutes before you find out. This one right here, he's authentic. She's authentic. The anointing speaks for itself. You remember in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, what did they say about Peter and the other disciples? They said, how did these unlearned men, how did these unlearned men speak with such great authority on moral issues? We know they have been with Jesus. Friend, when people look at your life, do they know that you've been with Jesus? When people see the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you live, do they say, he's been with Jesus. She's been with Jesus. 
Because that's God's desire for your life. That's God's desire for you, friend. I believe there's probably people, I'm going to go ahead and close with this, brother. I believe there's people here, probably under the sound of my voice. And I want you to listen to me. You may feel like God could never use you. You might look at your own life and say, I've fallen here, I've slipped up here, I've been living in the flesh for the last three years of my life, I've never really dedicated myself to God, God could never use anybody like me, why even try? If you've thought that, and if you've heard that echoed in the, in the quiet place at night, if you've had those thoughts if you've laid you, as you've laid there at bed and, 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 and you were falling asleep, you listen to me, those are not the thoughts of God. The Word of God says that His mercy endures forever. It says that His love endures forever. And He loves you today with a perfect love. And every provision that you need for forgiveness is found in the cross. Everything that we need was found in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to encourage you to know if you thought those thoughts, those thoughts are not of God. You need to take every thought captive. And you need to put that thought in the trash, my friend. And you need to know that God is able, that He has a plan for your life, that He loves you with a perfect love and just dedicate yourself to Him and know that in that place of dedication, when you allow the stripping away of your flesh and you consecrate yourself to God, you will find victory. The walls will come down and God will work through you. It is His desire. God wants to work through you. God wants to work through you, friend.